How the Office of Postman Fell Vacant in Otford Under the Wall From Tales of Three Hemispheres by Lord Dunsinay This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Grothman How the Office of Postman Fell Vacant in Otford Under the Wall by Lord Dunsinay. The duties of postman at Otford under the wool carried Amuel Sleggins further afield than the village, further afield than the last house in the lane, right up to the big bare wall, and the house where no one went, no one, that is, but the three grim men that dwelt there, and the secretive wife of one. And once a year, when the queer green letter came, Amuel Sleggins, the postman, the green letter always came just as the leaves were turning, addressed to the eldest of the three grim men, with a wonderful Chinese stamp and the Otford postmark, and Emil Slagans carried it up to the house. He was not afraid to go, for he always took the letter, had done so for seven years, yet whenever summer began to draw to a close, Emil Slagans was ill at ease and if there was a touch of autumn about, shivered unduly, so that all folk wondered. And then one day a wind would blow from the east, and the wild geese would appear, having left the sea, flying high and crying strangely, and pass until they were no more than a thin black line in the sky, like a magical stick flung up by a doer of magic, twisting and twirling away. And the leaves would turn on the trees, and the mist be white on the marshes, and the sun set large and red, and autumn would step down quietly that night from the wold, and the next day the strange green letter would come from China. His fear of the three grim men, and that secretive woman, and their lonely secluded house, or else the cadaverous cold of the dying season, rather braced Amuel when the time was come and he would step out bolder upon the day that he feared than he had perhaps for weeks. He longed on that day for a letter for the last house in the lane. There he would dally and talk a while, and look on church-going faces, before his last tramp over the lonely wold, to end at the dreaded door of the queer grey house called Wold Hut. When he came to the door of Wold Hut, he would give the postman's knock, as though he came on ordinary rounds to a house of every day, although no path led up to it, although the skins of weasels hung thick from the upper windows. And scarcely had his postman's knock rung through the dark of the house than the eldest of the three grim men would always run to the door. Oh, what a face had he! There was more slyness in it than ever his beard could hide. He would put out a grisly hand, and into it Amuel Sleggins would put the letter from China, and rejoice that his duty was done, and would turn and stride away. And the fields lit up before him, but, ominously, eager and low murmuring, arose in the wold hut. For seven years this was so, and no harm had come to Sleggins. Seven times he had gone to wold hut, and as often come safely away. 
and then he needs must marry. Perhaps because she was young, perhaps because she was fair, or perhaps she had shapely ankles, as she came one day through the marsh among the milkmaid flowers, shoeless in the spring. Less things than these have brought men to their ends, and been the nooses with which fate snared them running. With marriage curiosity entered his house, and one day as they walked with evening through the meadows, one summer evening, she asked him of Woldhut, where he only went, and what the folks were like that no one else had seen. All this he told her, and then she asked him of the green letter from China that had come in the autumn, and what the letter contained. He read to her all the rules of the inland revenue. He told her he did not know, that it was not right that he should know. He lectured her on the sin of inquisitiveness. He quoted Parsons. And in the end she said that she must know. They argued concerning this for many days, days of the ending of summer, of the shortening evenings. And as they argued, Autumn grew nearer and nearer, and the green letter from China. And at last he promised that when the green letter came, he would take it as usual to the lonely house, and then hide somewhere near, and creep to the window at nightfall, and hear what the grim folk said. Perhaps they might read aloud the letter from China. And before he had time to repent of that promise, a cold wind came one night, and the woods turned golden, and the plover went in bands that evening over the marshes, and the year had turned, and there came the letter from China. Never before had Amuel felt such misgivings as he went on his postman's rounds. Never before had he so much feared the day that took him up to the wold and the lonely house. While snug by the fire his wife looked pleasurably forward to curiosity's gratification and hoped to have news ere nightfall that all the gossips of the village would envy. One consolation only had Amuel as he set out with a shiver. There was a letter that day for the last house in the lane. Long did he tarry there, to look at their cheery faces, to hear the sound of their laughter. You did not hear laughter in Woldhut. And when the last topic had been utterly talked out, and no excuse for lingering remained, he heaved a heavy sigh, and plodded grimly away, and so came late to Woldhut. He gave his postman's knock on the shut oak door, heard it reverberate through the silent house, saw the grim elder man and his grisly hand, gave up the green letter from China, and strode away. There was a clump of trees growing all alone in the wold, desolate, mournful by day, by night full of ill omen, far off from all the other trees, as Woldhut from other houses. Near it stands Woldhut. Not today did Amuel stride briskly on, with all the new winds of autumn blowing cheerily past him, till he saw the village before him, and broke into song. But as soon as he was out of sight of the house, he turned, and stooping behind a fold of the ground, ran back to the desolate wood. There he waited, watching the evil house, just too far to hear voices. The sun was low already. He chose the window at which he meant to eavesdrop, 
a little barred one at the back, close to the ground. And then the pigeons came in. For a great distance there was no other wood, so numbers sheltered there. Though the clump is small, and of so evil a look, if they noticed that. The first one frightened Amul. He felt that it might be a spirit escaped from torture in some dim parlor of the house that he watched. His nerves strained, and he feared foolish fears. Then he grew used to them, and the sun set then, and the aspect of everything altered, and he felt strange fears again. Behind him was a hollow in the wold, and he watched it darkening, and before him he saw the house through the trunks of the trees. He waited for them to light their lamps so that they could not see. Then he would steal up softly and crouch by the little back window. But though every bird was home, though the night grew chilly as tombs, though a star was out, still there shone no yellow light from any window. Amul waited and shuddered. He did not dare move till they lit their lamps. They might be watching. The damp and the cold so strangely affected him that autumn evening, and the remnants of sunset, the stars, and the wold, and the whole vault of the sky, seemed like a hall that they had prepared for fear. He began to feel a dread of prodigious things, and still no light shone in the evil house. It grew so dark that he decided to move and make his way to the window in spite of the stillness, and though the house was still dark. He rose, and while standing arrested by pains that cramped his limbs, he heard the door swing open on the far side of the house. He had just time to hide behind the trunk of a pine when the three grim men approached him and the woman hobbled behind. Right to the ominous clump of trees they came as though they loved their blackness, passed through within a yard or two of the postman, and squatted down on their haunches in a ring in a hollow behind the trees. They lit a fire in the hollow and laid a kid on the fire, and by the light of it Amuel saw brought forth from an untanned pouch the letter from China. The elder opened it with his grisly hand, and in toning words that Amuel did not know, drew from it a green powder, and sprinkled it on the fire. At once a flame arose, and a wonderful savor, and the flames rose higher and flickered, turning the trees all green, and Amuel saw the gods coming to sniff the savor. While the three grim men prostrated themselves by their fire, and the horrible old woman that was the spouse of one, he saw the gods coming gauntly over the wold, beheld the gods of old England, hungrily sniffing the savor, Odin, Baldur, and Thor, the gods of the ancient people, beheld them eye to eye, clear and close in the twilight, and the office of postman fell vacant in Otford under the wold. The end of How the Office of Postman Fell Vacant in Otford Under the Wool by Lord Dunsinan.